Welcome to your province, your premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. The show being broadcast on 770-CHQR right here in Calgary and in Edmonton on 630-CHED. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day, but it's... It's really your opportunity to ask questions of the Premier, to voice your concerns or raise any issues that you feel need to be addressed. Whatever is on your mind, you can speak with the Premier one-on-one. Just remember to please keep it short and respectful and be patient. We get a lot of calls and texts. Admittedly, I can't quite get to a good proportion of all those texts, so... Please keep it short. In Calgary, the number is 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And right across the province at 1-800-563-7770. Premier Kenny, welcome to the show. Great to be back, Wayne. Now, five people have now registered for the leadership race. And I asked this question on last week's show. And here it is again. Has a date been set for that election? Uh, No, it has not. What's the delay? I, mean, I know it's not in your uh, control, but do you have any inkling, any idea, anybody saying anything as to what's taken so long? Well, the elected UCP board appointed what's called a leadership election committee about eight days ago. And I assume they've had their initial couple of meetings. Um, I'm not involved in that process, and I'm sure I'm sure they'll... Uh, move forward with dates and rules as soon as they can. All right. Now, with the resignation of Travis Tavis to uh, Travis Taves to run, you have moved Jason Nixon into his post. Your government is being impacted by the leadership race. Well, I would say minimally so far. I do anticipate there uh, could be some ministers stepping out of a uh, cabinet uh, to run, uh, and I've asked that they do so so they uh, don't uh, end up dividing their their time. I want people uh, as much as possible focused on on government business. And uh, you know, we we have a cabinet of over twenty ministers, and uh, they're all doing their jobs. Uh, it, but it's it, it's you know. This is a normal part of the electoral process that somebody would step out. And uh, I want to say that uh, he's, he was a great finance minister. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to presenting a year-end report for the fiscal year 2021-22 towards the end of June. And it should be some very good news. Uh, as long as the economy continues to perform strongly, we see strong commodity prices, uh, we can be uh, very optimistic about Alberta's fiscal future. All right. Uh, news across the country, a big election win by Ontario's Doug Ford. Any lessons to be learned from his victory there? I mean, it was a low voter turnout, which kind of suggests to me that for the most part, people in Ontario were pretty happy with uh, Ford's leadership. But he mm-hmm. was very inclusive uh, in uh, as to what he was saying as to the reasons why he had such a big win. Well, uh, I'm very happy. First of all, I'd like to congratulate Premier Ford. He's a good friend of mine and, and of Alberta's. He um, has he and his government have been strong supporters of our energy sector, of pipelines, of Alberta's calls for fiscal fairness. Uh, his government supported us at the Alberta Appeal Court in our recent constitutional challenge to the federal Trudeau Liberal No More Pipelines law. They also joined us in uh, ch- challenging the constitutionality of the carbon tax. Uh, they uh, have supported us on a range of issues, so I'm, and I have a lot of friends in that government. Very excited to see them reelected. Uh, I think with 41% of the vote, uh, they were um, fortunate to see a very 
uh, if you will, efficient vote split on the other side of things. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's uh, an affirmation that what people are looking for is mainstream um, pro-growth government. And uh, you, while Ontario had much much stricter restrictions during COVID, uh, the truth is that uh, Premier Ford pursued that with a lot of discipline and professionalism. Uh, people who stepped out of line in caucus were quickly found themselves as independents. That led to the creation of two kind of alternative right parties, neither of which finished very strongly. So I guess if anything, any lesson could be taken, it's a couple of things. First of all, Conservatives can win in Ontario, which should be a hopeful sign, I think, for a lot of Albertans who want to change in the federal government. But secondly, it requires a, a Conservative Party that's both disciplined, professional, and in the mainstream. All right. Now, here in Alberta this week, uh, an expanded contract with Dynalife Medical Labs was announced. That's drawn criticism about the government choosing to work with private companies instead of investing in public health care, uh, such as the Edmonton Super Lab. What's your response to that? Well, we ran on exactly this. We made a very explicit commitment in the last election in our platform uh, to uh, use the uh, efficiency uh, of the private sector uh, for things like this because we want to focus tax dollars on frontline health care services not on uh, while using uh, competitive contracting where, wherever feasible in the provision of what I would call ancillary services like lab services food laundry etc you know the the NDP wanted to blow 1600 sorry excuse me 600 million dollars on a super lab in Edmonton that wasn't justified. Uh, instead, the capital costs will have to be borne now by the private sector for upgrades in equipment or, or space and facilities. Uh, and we get more bang for the taxpayers' bucks. So I think this is a good deal for taxpayers and, and we can focus the savings on frontline services as we expand the healthcare budget. We've added nearly $2 billion to it. Uh, we also uh, announced this past week uh, a important, uh, I think, an $80 million investment in creating new uh, um, neurological intensive care beds at the University of Alberta Hospital. We've already achieved uh, 19 of the 50 promised new intensive care beds across the province. So we are making important investments in increasing capacity of frontline services, partly because of greater efficiency in back-end services like lab services. All right, just one more question from me before we get to the phones, uh, and that has to do with the Kananaskis Country user fee. Uh, implementation of that fee has come under criticism on a few fronts. Now, among them, critics say it doesn't represent good value for what people are paying, and there are also questions about the distribution of the funds being raised. And, and enforcement really started uh, in this past week. Are, are those statements accurate? Well, well, no. The truth is that K-Country is uh, the largest, uh, it is the most used provincial park in Canada bar, by far, uh, and it was the only major provincial park in Canada that did not have a user fee. This meant that we were not providing adequate services or infrastructure. There were piles of garbage being left behind on busy weekends, inadequate staff for search and rescue, um, trails that had gone unserviced for, uh, without proper upgrading for years. So we are now able to make major investments like we recently announced in the Canmore Nordic Centre uh, that will become uh, really, a, once again, a world-leading place for, for Nordic sports. Uh, we are upgrading uh, infrastructure, hiring more staff, more conservation officers, all of that made possible through this user fee, like we all pay when we go to Jasper or Banff or any other major provincial park around Canada. Over, so 100% of the revenues are going towards additional staff uh, and infrastructure in that world-class park. And uh, critics were saying that uh, some of those expenses should already have been covered in the 
provincial taxes that we already pay? Well, again, uh, it is a very busy park. A lot of tourists from outside the province come and use it. They weren't paying anything for the privilege of doing so uh, before. Uh, It it is normal uh, with our national parks and with other major provincial parks that there's a user user pay model uh, with dedicated revenues. Uh, This uh, Kananaskis Conservation Pass has actually won awards from a number of conservation groups. Most conservation groups in the country support it and uh, because they see it as a great way to maintain the long-term sustainability of the park. All right. Let's not waste any more time with me. Let's get right to the phones. Justin is calling in from Edmonton on another topic uh, of uh, recent news. Justin, go ahead. Drug legalization. You're on with Premier Kenny. Uh, good morning, Premier Kenny. Um, first, I'd like to say never forget Tiananmen Square because uh, this is something that that has been that I cannot say in my homeland because of the recent crackdown on political activities in Hong Kong. As, uh, but anyway, on to my point with the recent drug legalization in D.C., what, you mentioned that you would use some tools to make sure that Albertans are not harmed by it. What would those tools be? Thanks, Justin, uh, and thank you for rem- reminding us that we're coming up on the anniversary of the, the Tiananmen Square uh, massacre. Something that we should never forget. Um, the uh, I, I, we are very concerned about the Trudeau government's announcement about legalizing uh, hard drugs next door in BC. Just a few months ago during the federal campaign, election campaign, Prime Minister Trudeau committed never to do this. So you can see how quickly we're moving down that slippery slope. Uh, the reality is that there has been de facto decriminalization of minor possession of these kinds of uh, drugs for a long time in, in our major urban cores in like downtown east side of Vancouver. And that has not, we can see that has not stopped the addictions crisis, uh, the huge numbers of, of fatalities in the downtown east side of Vancouver. It's a disaster there. And we're just, they just want more of the same. But unfortunately, this will send us a message uh, to police uh, and prosecutors, obviously, all across the country uh, just to, to, to turn a blind eye. And I don't want to see many downtown east sides of Vancouver popping up in communities across our province. We already saw some of these problems in downtown Lethbridge with the uh, so-called uh, drug site, the, the drug consumption site there. We see it in downtown Edmonton uh, with a huge increase in violent drug-related crime. So we need to get serious about this. Alberta's government, uh, one of the tools we're using is is huge investments in a a continuum of care from harm reduction to lifetime recovery, um, the virtual opioid replacement program, uh, and, and much more. But we need to see the feds put real resources into drug interdiction. We know a lot of the constituent elements for the poisonous uh, fentanyl and carfentanil come out of black market factories, for example, in China, get transshipped through through Mexico and the U.S. Why isn't there any effort to increase interdiction of, of this po- these poisonous drugs hitting our streets? So those are... But ultimately, Ultimately, Justin, we are looking at regulations that would um, that would control the, the the use of drugs like this within our own provincial health authority. Just stay tuned for more information on that. All right, Mr. Kenny, we're going to have to pause for a break. I'm Wayne Nelson. I'll be back with Premier Jason Kenny and more of your calls and texts when we return on your province, your premier. Welcome back. Your province, your premier airs every Saturday morning at this time from 10 until 11 throughout Alberta. Right here on Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Chad. I'm Wayne Nelson and now back with Premier Jason Kenney. Premier Kenny, we're going to go right to the phones. Uh, Leonard has been hanging on forever. 
Leonard calling from Edmonton on climate change. Go ahead, Leonard. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hello, Premier. Uh, it's more of a suggestion than a question. And I guess that is my thought is that the way we're going to get climate change under control is really adopting new technologies. And one of the biggest uh, problems with greenhouse gases is our current stock of buildings. And I've heard, you know, various studies that up to a, a third or more of our greenhouse gases towards our Paris climate uh, targets can be fixed by retrofitting our current building stock and changing new builds to use higher efficiency. And the biggest problem in there, I understand, is inefficient windows and doors where sealed double and triple pane units aren't very efficient and, quite frankly, don't last very long. So I guess my, my, uh, I'd like to throw a new t- uh, item on your agenda, and that is there's a new Alberta company that has invented, uh, unsealed the window and invented a new technology that is uh, two to five times more energy efficient than current double and triple pane and lasts three times longer. And yeah. so my suggestion is with all the government buildings to perhaps do a pilot project with this new Alberta technology and hopefully that then rolls forward into perhaps uh, using more energy-efficient technologies in, in retrofitting of provincial government buildings and perhaps even building codes to get towards uh, uh, new targets. And that'll increase jobs as far as retrofitting these buildings and uh, the manufacturing of these products here in Alberta. All right. Leonard, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Leonard. Very constructive idea there. And I agree with your premise that the we're only going to make progress in reducing emissions through technology we'll only make it as far as 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 tech and innovation takes us um and and thanks for highlighting that some of that homegrown alberta technology um uh, we you know there has been big improvements i think in, in the efficiency around building materials more can be done just one a small note of caution uh we're seeing of course, housing affordability becoming a major issue across the country and construction inflation. So I think we need to be careful about um, not adding massively to the uh, uh, regulatory mandates for construction and house, build, house building costs right now, uh, given uh, the, the challenge around housing affordability. But with that one caveat, I think it's a great idea. All right. Back to the texts. This one, uh, Marnie is texting in from Edmonton. She said, when will I get my surgery? Been t- waiting too many years. We need another women hospital. Any thoughts? Well, thank you, Marty. We are building more hospital capacity across the province. A huge uh, one point, uh, I think it was $1.8 billion commitment for the new Red Deer Regional Hospital. We're completing the new cancer uh, center in uh, Calgary. We just announced the new uh, University of Alberta Hospital Neuroscience Intensive Care Unit uh, and other projects right across the province. We're constantly, you know, the Department of Health constantly scans where the greatest needs are. And I, I, I've not seen a proposal uh, in my time for a specifically a women's hospital, a new women's hospital. Um, but I will, I totally agree with Marnie that we need to get on top of these surgical wait times. One of the most exciting things we did recently was to announce uh, a major step forward in Alberta's surgical initiative, which is to significantly increase the number of surgeries we perform by contracting out more to efficiently run uh, privately operated 
uh, chartered surgical facilities, and we just announced one of those will be built on the Enoch First Nation in partnership with that uh, with that Cree Nation. So uh, we've got a great partnership developing with Indigenous people and the private sector uh, to decrease uh, wait times. In that case, uh, for uh, hip and and joint uh, replacement surgery. All right. Uh- Call now. Uh, this is regarding holistic medicine. Mike is calling. Uh, Mike, your Hello. question for the Premier. Go ahead. Hello. Thank you for your good work you've been doing. Um, got two offers for you. Uh, question. One is, uh, I'd like to get you a Blackfoot name if you don't have one. And another one is, what are you doing for holistic medicine? I see it work all the time. And Thanks, I, Mike. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mike. I, I appreciate that. I'd, I'd be honored to have a Blackfoot name, and I've got had great relations with the Black Blackfoot uh, tribes, the uh, the, the Gaina, the Siksika, and the Pekani, and uh, very proud to have worked with with them. Um, and on holistic, it's interesting. I just mentioned this agreement we've signed with the Enoch Cree First Nation, as they are going to be hosting what they call a sovereign healthcare center. Um, which is going to be a chartered surgical facility, obviously using cutting-edge surgical technology. But they have agreed; the developers there have agreed to incorporate traditional indigenous uh, healing and medicine into the uh, into the whole process to be make it an option for people. And I thought that was really interesting. So uh, Chief uh, Billy Moran pointed out that uh, the traditional name of his territory is Muskegum, which means uh, land of medicines. So maybe we'll see uh, in the future uh, that kind of uh, those kinds of options offered to people who might be interested in them. All right, Bill is calling from Calgary, and I believe Bill has a similar question. Go ahead, Bill. You're on with Premier Kenny. Uh, I'd, uh, I'm wondering about this uh, new hospital that's being uh, built on the uh, reserve. Uh, if it was built on my land and I was receiving, um, uh, you know, have a, a lease and I was receiving money, I would have to pay tax. Uh, are these guys having to pay tax on uh, whatever money they're receiving for, to lease the land that it sits on? It, I, you know, I don't, Bill. I don't know the answer to that. I, uh, I mean, the reserves decide whether they're going to tax. I think uh, enterprises on their land, uh, but they don't have to do that. And um, it, it, you know, I think this is not a bad thing. If we, uh, we all want to see more economic development in our First Nations. We know that that for too long, many of them have have uh, experienced real poverty. And uh, the best way we can, I think, you know, we talk a lot about reconciliation. I want to see reconciliation. And for me, that means uh, sustainable economic development um, in our Indigenous communities. So that's why I'm really excited to see this. I mean, next door door to to Calgary there in the Tsutina Reserve, we see, of course, uh, major new uh, economic development happening, and uh, and the same as Enoch in the south, the west corner of Edmonton. So I think those are good things, and if they're using a tax advantage, I say bully on them. Good for them. All right. Uh, Calgary, Andrew is calling on gas prices. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, good morning, Mr. Kenny. Thank you for taking my question. Thank you. I think I paid about 150 for a full tank. Do you have any future plans to tackle that? Yeah, well, as you know, Andrew, we uh, have paused the collection of the Alberta fuel tax, so that's the 13 cents a litre that we've taken off, 
And um, the real problem there, so we don't have anything more we can cut uh, from the Alberta level. Uh, the driver now is is Ottawa with the carbon tax, and then they, of course, impose the GST on top of that and the federal gas excise tax. So right now, Alberta has zero tax on uh, a, a liter of, of gasoline, and Ottawa has three taxes, carbon tax, GST, and excise tax. So, um, But, you know, let me be blunt. With the, the Liberals and NDP actually like uh, super high gas prices. That's why they have these carbon taxes. They are trying to make it unaffordable to consume energy. They think that's a feature and not a bug. I totally disagree, which is why we repealed the Alberta NDP carbon tax, sued Trudeau to the Supreme Court on the federal carbon tax, and I hope there will be a change of government that um, puts affordability for consumers ahead of their ideological drive to make energy unaffordable. Just as a comparison, Mr. Kenny, I was out in uh, Nanaimo last weekend. Uh, gas out there was $2.20 something per litre. Uh, was in Innisfail uh, earlier this week, a buck sixty-five, and just down the road in Bowdoin, a dollar eighty. So you got to be uh, looking at GasBuddy.com, I guess, to uh, to figure out where the best gas prices yeah, are got, at any given time. I've got you can download that app, GasBuddy.com. I think it was started by uh, a friend, of, uh, a former colleague of mine, Dan McTagg, uh, former MP, does really good work. Yeah. Okay, uh, text message. Mr. Kenny, please speak to the Outlanders bill on gun control. Sorry to see you go. Conservatives have to change. One voice. Thank you. So, yeah, another attack on, on lawful firearms owners. Look, th- th- there we do need common sense uh, firearms controls in Canada, and, and we have that where, you know, you, you have uh, the whole system of, uh, people have to have to take training and get a, get a certificate before they can acquire a firearm, and uh, uh, you know you can't. You, you, there are limitations on the kind of the number of rounds that you can have in a magazine and things like that. But what they're trying to do now is to basically make it illegal to buy or sell a handgun. But the the crime, uh, criminal abuse of firearms is not being committed with legally procured firearms overwhelmingly. criminals are using uh, guns being smuggled uh, from south of the border across the United States, particularly through central Canada. And we don't see one, any effort by the feds. Again, I talked about interdicting um, dangerous drugs. The same needs to happen with, uh, with firearms. So they need to crack down on the importation of illegal uh, smuggled firearms from the U S. But, you know, People, I think folks who don't own firearms don't understand how strenuous the regulations already are for the purchase, uh, carry, and transport of handguns. It's only a very small number of, of, of people who, who use these for primarily for target practice and sporting purposes. So, uh, again, our Alberta chief firearms officer um, is doing a great job in challenging this stuff, and uh, I, I will we'll just continue to support her efforts. All right, text message now from Calgary. A few weeks ago, I'd heard my test read on air. It was about the health department needs for changing the assist program and specifically its lack of assistance for indoor chair lifts, etc. Please indicate today what's been done to date on this matter. Now, I'm not yeah, really... I think I recall this came up uh, on one of your call, uh, programs a few weeks ago, yeah. Wayne, and I, I looked into it, and, and indeed there, there is a program 
And uh, I, but I can't, I'm sorry, I just don't have enough details on this person's individual application to know how to respond to that. I apologize. All right. Another text message. Why do you continue to promote the new draft curriculum when the feedback is predominantly negative? The release of the results from a survey does not look favorably on this curriculum. I, I just, you know, I, I think there's been a lot of uh, opposition from, I would just say the usual suspects uh, who don't want a more rigorous curriculum, but parents do, we've seen a decline in outcomes for numeracy and literacy in Alberta in the past 10 or 15 years. And this is very concerning, particularly for um, math proficiency. If our kids are falling behind when it comes to uh, numeracy, as Asian schools see their results continue to improve, it will put our kids at a disadvantage in a future very digitized world economy. And so we are, we've been consulting with leading subject matter experts, like, for example, the uh, brilliant professor of mathematics, Professor Trotsky at the University of Alberta, Professor Georgiou, who is an award-winning expert on, uh, on phonetics and on, on language arts. Uh, it's, it's experts like these that have been helping to develop this. Now, there is one school board in northern Alberta, uh, Fort Vermilion, that has piloted the new the draft K to K three curriculum in math and language arts with phenomenal outcomes, with hugely positive outcomes. So we continue to take on board useful, constructive criticism that will be incorporated into future drafts. Um, but a lot of this uh, noise has come from. Uh, I would say the usual suspects, and, and we'll we'll just we ran on a commitment to get this right, and we're committed to doing that. The same person actually commented uh, on text as well, Mr. Kenny. Uh, financial literacy education will only work if kids actually use the information in their lives. Otherwise, the info won't stick, no matter what age or grade. And I think that's a really valid point. You know, you have to have something that is uh, that that can be applied to uh, yeah. to everyday life. Yeah, fair point. But and I just want to underscore this is the. F- the curriculum reforms that we are implementing will include for the first time ever a mandatory unit on financial literacy throughout the school years, uh, as well as important things like um, the issue of the idea of consent uh, in matters of of, of sexual relations so that kids know from an early age uh, about the importance of giving consent. All right. Back to the phones. Al is calling from Airdrie. Al's been hanging on, I think, for longer than you've been on air. Uh, Al, go ahead. You've got a question for Premier Kenny. I do, uh, Premier Kenny. First, thanks for your uh, service, first to Canada and to the to the uh, province, and and so your commitment to making it a better place is is stellar. Uh, I have a challenge though. Uh, early on, before you became the leader, you came to our veterans group, asked for our support. Uh, recently, a few months back, you uh, uh, you, you and your office said uh, said that you were coming. Uh, to uh, bring some donations and some uh, camaraderie to our veterans. Uh, a number of our veterans got dressed up in our finery. These are uh, uh, guys that uh, we had brought back from the edge and, and had cleaned up their lives because of the things that we do. And uh, you never showed up. Uh, we, after, after you became the leader, uh, we heard lots of promises and you never showed up. And in my mind, when you make a promise to those that put on the uniform, uh, you need to uh, stand and deliver, and you haven't done that. Can you please explain why? Sir, are, sir are you talking about the, uh, one of the veterans' food banks? I guess we lost him. Al, are you still there? Uh, Al must have hung up. Yeah, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that. I'm not sure what, which event uh, Al was referring to. I can say that um, this year around Christmas time, I visited veterans' food banks in both Edmonton and Calgary, 
Um, and I've also recently visited and, and announced support for the tiny homes projects in both Calgary and Edmonton that are provide um, uh, provide transitional housing for veterans who have been struggling with uh, often with mental health challenges. Uh, and of course, I visit legions and, and whatnot all around the province. Um, so I, I'm not sure what happened. I, I do know that in both Edmonton and Calgary, each of them have two different and I think somewhat rival uh, veterans food bank organizations. And I hope there wasn't some confusion about which one I was visiting that might have happened. I'll look into it. My apologies if if, uh, if there was a scheduling snafu there. All right. You are listening to Your Province, Your Premier. The numbers in Calgary to call or text 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0060. 0063. And across the province, the number is, I'll try to get it right without screwing up, 1-800-563-7770. All right, text line now from uh, Edmonton Premier Kenny. What are they going to do about all these roads in northern Alberta that have no lines painted, that are filled with holes, and it's been like this for years? It seems like southern Alberta gets everything. In northern Alberta gets nothing, including cell phone service. That's why I didn't call. I just texted. Okay, um, I guess that's just a, a note taken. By the way, when I've got some more information here from my uh, team about that um, low-income mobility program right. it's called the Residential Access Modification Program, or RAMP, it provides low-income Albertans with grants of up to $7,500 uh, per each benefit year and up to $15,000 per person within 10 years. And people can get information on that by emailing CSS.RAMP at gov.ab.ca. So that's the RAMP program. All right. And back to the roads? And so what are they saying? That I'm not, we're not, uh, in southern Alberta, they're not getting adequate? Uh, no, southern Southern Alberta gets all the benefits and northern Alberta has potted pot, pothole really roads with no lines. Look, I, <laughs> I really don't think that's, I, I got it reversed. I don't think that's the case, uh, Wayne. Like, the, the Department of Transportation is spending more on road and highway maintenance than just about ever before. Uh, but it's a very big problem. And in the 70s, when oil prices were sky high, the Lockheed government paved darn near every road in the in the province. And so we have more uh, paved road per capita than any province in Canada. And it just costs a lot to maintain it. But uh, believe me, there's a lot of Southern Albertans who complain about, um, about road conditions as well. So I don't think there's any regional favoritism here. All right. Text line. Coming from Calgary, Mr. Kenny, you keep using the phrase usual suspects. Are these people who don't agree with you? And secondly, you resigned as premier, so why do you keep hanging around? No, I didn't resign as premier. I said uh, on the night of our leadership review vote that I had expressed to the party president my intention to resign as party leader. It's very normal that a, a leader would stay on until the election of a new leader. That's exactly what I'm doing to maintain continuity and stability in government. And when I say usual suspects, I mean special interest groups. Um, you know, there's no secret. The Alberta Teachers Union uh, spent uh, well over a million dollars of the forced dues of their members to attack the party that I lead in the lead up to the last election um, because they are highly political. Their leadership is very political. And so it's just no surprise whatsoever that they would be attacking the, the implementation of our campaign commitment uh, to improve the school curriculum, particularly in areas like math and numeracy. It's very unfortunate. You know, I, I'd encourage you to, go, to read some of the columns by Edmonton Journal columnist David Staples about the improvements that we are making uh, in language arts and mathematics and how tragic it is that the teachers' union has continued to uh, disregard 
the, for example, the uh, work of award-winning uh, professor uh, at the University of Alberta, Dr. Georgiou, who helped to develop our language arts curriculum. I think they should put aside the politics and actually look at these issues uh, in an objective way. It, it doesn't matter uh, what the issue is, Mr. Kenny. There are two constants in history, change and humanity's reluctance to accept it. And I think that applies to everything. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Kim is calling from Calgary. Go ahead, Kim. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hi. I'd just like to know what uh, <clears throat> excuse me, what qualifications Jason Nixon has to take over the provincial treasury. And I'd just like to remind you of the mess the coal policy became because he had no credentials to be environment minister. Well, uh, I think he's been a fantastic environment and parks minister, but the coal file actually uh, comes from the Department of Energy. So um, just as a, a point of, of correction there. Uh, but uh, in terms of he, Minister Nixon has run businesses before. He's been a senior minister in the government. He's also been a brilliant house leader, having managed a more, a more productive legislature than I think any in the, in the country and any in the province's history in terms of le legislative accomplishments. So he's proven himself to be a highly competent along a range of departments. I will say, I think there's a misunderstanding, Wayne, about um, how cabinets are formed in our in our Westminster parliamentary system. Uh, we don't appoint te technicians as ministers. We appoint people who are accountable to the legislature, who are usually generalists, and they are they are advised and supported by technical experts in the permanent public service. Um, so, you know, for example, you, uh, Christia Freeland is the federal finance minister, and she's a journalist. Um, and her predecessor was a guy with a background in benefits. So, you know, you, you, I was the minister of immigration, and I got a lot of praise for having been in a very effective minister of federal immigration. I knew next to nothing about it before I, I showed up there. You bring common sense, and that's the idea. You basically have civilians who are accountable to the people overseeing technical experts in the departments, and, and that's how the, the parliamentary system works. Yep, you're just a front man. You are supported by a team uh, who can give you the, the knowledge that you need. Yep. Essentially, I wouldn't say just a front man, because you get right into those files. Yeah. And uh, let, me, let me tell you, when I, when I sit down and listen to Minister Nixon talk about uh, the details or complexity of carbon pricing, carbon, tax, uh, carbon and emissions and climate policy, uh, this is a guy who knows his brief and gets right into the details. All right, I have a follow-up text message, this one from Edmonton, regarding your comment about uh, the, the new curriculum. Uh, here's the text. Asian students have the highest suicide rates in the world. Their students do rigorous homework and study routines that most North American students would be unwilling to do uh, this level of work. Alberta still ranks very high in academic scores. If you want to improve test scores, fix the social problems that are causing poor academic achievement. This comes from, says Jason, a conservative teacher. Well, that's, I think that's a, a red herring uh, to suggest there's a, a correlation is not causation, to suggest that, that there's a causal link between uh, high math outcomes in Asian countries and high levels of, uh, of suicide, I think is, is um, tendentious at best. I would say uh, that we have seen a very clear correlation, though, in Alberta between the decline in math proficiency and the onset of discovery math and inquiry learning uh, as, a, as a heavy emphasis in our uh, curriculum uh, starting about 10 to 15 years ago. 
Um, and Alberta is not the only jurisdiction to have seen this correlation. Uh, so um, we uh, we are focused on looking at the data, both here and around the world, taking on board expert advice, as we have in this case from Professor Trotsky and others at the University of Alberta. Uh, and we've already seen, at least in one pilot, significant improvement in math outcomes with the revised curriculum up at the Fort Vermillion School District. All right, we're going to pause for a break. You are listening to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, and we'll be uh, back to wrap things up in our final segment when we return. Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your Premier. It's broadcast throughout the province every Saturday morning from 10 until 11 in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. If you have something you want to bring to the Premier's attention, a concern or an issue, a specific question that you would like the Premier to answer, here is your opportunity to chat one-on-one. Just phone or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary. In Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. We're going to go right to the phones. Derek is calling from Edmonton on Pride Month. Go ahead, Derek. Premier Kenny. Hi, Premier Kenny. How are you? Good, thanks, Derek. Good. Uh, so I was wanting to find out uh, what initi- LGBT initiatives your government is supporting and what are you doing to end uh, youth homelessness within the LGBT community? Well, thanks, Derek. Uh, I-, I guess we uh, youth homelessness is part of the broader efforts to reduce homelessness. Uh, and uh, we, one of the things I can tell you in Edmonton, we've just helped to create, for example, uh, the new uh, emergency shelter, the Herb Jameson Center, operated by Hope Mission. Um, there are specific programs uh, for homeless youth uh, that are typically delivered by uh, nonprofit organizations in our larger centers. Um, and uh, so uh, I don't have my fingertips what all of those programs are, but uh, we continue to fund those pretty generously as a province. All right. Uh, going to the text lines. Uh, can you please comment on the Saudi Ara- on Saudi Arabia increased in their oil exports to meet up the increasing world demand, but Canada's oil exports are barely increasing? That's question one. Do Canadians and other provinces not realize if we sell our oil we enrich the entire country, that wealth can be used for such things as environmental actions, health care, social services, and other social industries for the benefit of all of our futures. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, <laughs> we just recently had the Western Premier's Conference in Regina where we all uh, in our communique agreed upon the urgency of domestic energy security. And that's why I was in Washington to talk about North American energy security. As I said to U.S. senators, if we got serious about this, uh, we could easily and permanently displace OPEC imports, not just in Canada, but in all of North America. But that would require uh, the two federal governments uh, actually supporting the construction of pipelines. And uh, so... um, this is, uh, you know, the, the reality is we continue to import to these Irving refinery on the St. John, uh, on the, the East Coast, St. John, New Brunswick, significant amounts of OPEC energy, which makes no sense in a country with the third largest proven and probable oil reserves on Earth. Okay, to the phones. Ken is calling from Edmonton with a question on local production. I can't, oh, local production for goods. Go ahead, Ken. 
Hey, uh, Premier, I just wanted to talk about self-reliance or get a question answered about what Alberta is doing um, to make ourselves more self-reliant with resources in in Alberta, like making our own furnaces, our own homes, our own building materials, our own um, everything, our own vaccines, to become self-reliant so that we're not relying on uh, Americans or yeah. or other countries. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, this has got to be a key thing, lesson to learn out of the COVID era when Canada was lost several months in uh, getting vaccines because of vaccine nationalism in the U.S. and Europe, where they basically banned exports until their own people were taken care of. I don't. I guess I don't blame those governments for looking to take care of their own people first. So we have to do the same. And uh, so I, I am happy to see the federal government put some money behind um, incentivizing vaccine develop uh, production here in uh, Canada. And I gather a new Moderna vaccine facility is underway in uh, Montreal. We did put, and I can tell you in Alberta, we put out I, I think nearly a hundred million dollars to support. Um, vaccine and drug developments here in Alberta. And we hope to see something like that happen in our province in the future. There's some really good things happening at the University of Alberta uh, Centre for uh, Virology, uh, for example, that may lead to some important discoveries that we could then turn into production here at home. But I think more broadly, it's a strategic imperative for us to onshore more production. That also applies to critical minerals because as the world increasingly moves to batteries, as um, uh, uh, as a fuel source, as, as an energy source in the future, that's going to consume more rare earth minerals. We have a lot of those, including lithium here in Alberta. We've got to begin developing that. All right. Frank is uh, texting in uh, from Calgary. Thank you for your incredible service, Mr. Kenny. Where can I find all the information related to equalization payments? And is our Alberta deficit or surplus calculated before or after those payments? Yeah, the Alberta fiscal balance is calculated after uh, you account for federal transfers. Now, let me be clear. There is, a, I think, a widespread misunderstanding that the Alberta government cuts a check to Ottawa to fund equalization. That is not true. Equalization is funded by the federal government out of our individual tax uh, payments to Ottawa. So when you go and buy a cup of coffee... Five cents of that on the GST goes to the federal treasury, and a portion of that ultimately is transferred to certain provinces based on the equalization formula. None of that passes through the government of Alberta. Now, the government of Alberta does receive certain uh, per, uh, uh, transfers from Ottawa, like the health transfer. When you add up all of the money that comes back to the Alberta government or Alberta taxpayers, and you subtract that from the total Alberta taxes paid to Ottawa, it's about a $20 billion a year net contribution. But again, that's not that's not coming from the government of Alberta. It's coming from individual Alberta taxpayers. All right. We have time for one more phone call. Uh, Daniel has a follow-up question to the uh, the homeless question that we uh, talked about earlier. Daniel is calling from Airdrie. Go ahead, Daniel. It would help if I pushed the right button. Hang on a second. Daniel, we're going to get you to start all over again. Daniel, uh, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hi, Mr. Kenny. I'll keep it really short. Um, the focus on homelessness seems to be around the major metropolises. There is a lot of homeless in the outlying communities around the, the, metrop the metropolises. And I do know that you guys have a, cur 
a couple current projects for recovery centers around the, the province, but they're more slated around addiction. What, what can the Alberta government do to build affordable housing uh, in regards to helping out families that have been displaced with the rising costs of just life in general? Thanks, Daniel. Great question. Uh, uh, first of all, Wayne, the pro- one of the programs I was referring to earlier that targets uh, um, homeless youth, it's called the Youth Empowerment and Support Services. That's YES. And people can look that up online. It provides 24-7 shelter, a drop-in resource center, temp- temporary supportive housing, etc. Secondly, on Daniel's point, we fund something called Family and Community Support Services. That's money that goes from the Alberta government to municipalities to support their own social service priorities. And very often, that's like 80% of that is provincial money, 20% is municipal. And very often that goes to support um, homeless shelters in smaller communities. Um, and so it's the FCSS. It allows those municipal governments to address their own social uh, priorities. Uh, and, and and thirdly, on the broader issue of housing affordability, totally agree that is an emerging crisis. I guess, I, I, at least in Alberta, though, housing is a lot more affordable than it is in uh, other large population provinces. And uh, that's why I think we're going to see a lot more people moving here, which likely will result in higher housing costs. So my appeal is to municipal governments to cut the red tape, speed up uh, zoning and approvals so we can get those new homes and uh, multifamily units built more quickly so we have supply for the growth in population I expect to see in Alberta uh, during this period of economic growth. Premier Kenny, thanks for joining us once again today. We'll do this again next Saturday morning at this time. Really appreciate it, and uh, I just I just learned we fund a couple million dollars for rural homelessness in particular, and we have a task force working on that issue. So thank you very much, Wayne. Looking forward to do this next week. You bet. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you have been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.